Welcome to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Edward Estell, sitting here as always with Arthur Black. Hello. How you doing, Arthur? I'm awesome, man. You, you I'm look good. pretty awesome, man. Yeah. Today we've got uh, Nick Ferris with us, talking about a little bit of Rum Fire and the Rum Collective here. He's an importer. He's a man about town, man, man about Seattle. So uh, welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks so much, Ed. Happy to be here. Yeah. We haven't seen you since uh, uh, New York. Yeah, that's right. It was New York, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. What was the venue for that that rum tasting we went to? Oh, it was uh, Dumbo Lofts. That was a great Ooh. venue. That was yeah. a beautiful venue. Really look- nice stuff on the table, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say, it, it got blurry as yeah. that, that afternoon went on. Well, I walked in, and I saw Gail Seal, and we... Um, had a, a couple of tea punches and just kind of like catching up. Patrick was there and just like, okay, let's all have a tea punch. And then I think it was Jim Rondel was like, why is everybody congregating around in the back? We walked to the back like, oh my mm. God, they have like unicorns out on the table for just free pour. Yeah, yeah there was some fun stuff there. And that, that was like kind of right when I just kind of started my, my drying out phase, which made it all the more difficult to, um, you know, not be Willy Wonka or, you know, not be... It was kind of like being a you know diabetic at Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Like, That's a good yeah. test, though. You know, like I mean, you made it through. You really did. Yeah. Although you did throw away one of my bottles of Claron, I was like, "You motherfucker!" You're like, "I just didn't need it around me." I'm like, "But I wasn't yeah. even home. I would have drank it." Ah, uh, it was a 50ml. It's nothing. <laughs> but that was going to be my walking around bottle. <laughs> I think it was my soju. Walking around bottle. <laughs> you can't walk around with a 50ml. It's like a step bottle. Well, I had my. Bu- bu- I had a bunch <laughs> of 50. High step. <laughs> I had I had 50 milliliter bottles filled in all of my pockets because there was like what three of those plus the uh, Corona who was in my pockets. Yeah, you must be one of the dudes at hotels that like steals all the shampoo and the conditioner and this guy. Like, Dude, it was gifts of rum. It. Yeah, he's got a, a big ass bag at home, like a thousand shampoos. All right. So I don't. But my wife does. I, was just about to, I could totally see A doing that. Oh, yeah. We've got, like, in fact, my sister works for a hotel group, and every time she comes over to my house, she's like, I know where you got this bottle. <laughs> I know, right? That's awesome. Keep, so, keep you honest. So, we, uh, we're getting ready to do a rum fire event here in a little bit, and got, got Nick into Indianapolis. Uh, you literally just got in from Seattle. Yeah, right off the plane, and now rum fire daiquiri. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I've got one of my... I couldn't smell that. They're back there making drinks already. I, I couldn't not have a drink already. You can open that product, that bottle, and uh, from a good 10 paces. To, even if there isn't, like, a wind, like, you can still smell how easily that product volatilizes when exposed to oxygen. It just comes out and tickles everything in the room. It does tickle me. That's uh, what I say every time. Like, it just kind of hits all the right notes. Yeah, it's a feel-good product. I mean... It's almost like a, a perfume. And you could probably run your car on it, too. <laughs> you might be able to. <laughs> hadn't thought of that. It'd be a whole new air freshener It'd be real car. expensive, though. Okay, so Rumfire. Um, well, I bet we could answer ourselves what Nick had to drink last night. We can definitely answer <laughs> what you always have to drink every night. Well, what did you have to drink last night, Nick? My uncle came over from Boston and... Uh, came over? Yeah. Came, came over from, like... The other yeah, side of the country. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, helping his daughter get moved after graduation. Um, and so my wife was making chai tea, and uh, I was tasting him on rum fire, and he had found a growler of some local beer that he wanted to taste me on. So we were um, kind of going back and forth between, you know, Indian tea and, and neat shots of rum fire and, and pints of some IPA. Nice what, was the, what was the beer? 
The beer was from Fremont Brewing. Oh, uh, those guys were great. Yeah. No, it was good. I, I, I forgot. It's one of their seasonal marks, but... Yeah, I don't get out there yeah. often enough to get there, like try all their seasonal stuff. But it's like I love their tasting room, and like it's a, it's a real cool spot. Yeah, it's fun, and you it's know, just like a few nice blocks line. from like uh, what the Whale Winds, and yeah, uh, yeah right, yeah. Because yeah. I usually I just go over there and have a beer or two while I'm waiting for my table over mm-hmm. there. And what's the restaurant that shares the space with Whale? Is it uh, Jewel? Oh. I don't remember. It's Swiss, whatever. But um, Arthur, what did you have to drink last night, buddy? Man, I didn't drink shit. Um, I um, <laughs> I drink more tea, damn it, man. Yeah, Just tea, green, green or black? Water. Oh, he gets deep into the tea. Oh, uh, it's my duca tea. It's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mixture gets- of things to clean out the body and all fun things for the liver, and then um, sleep and relaxation, all that shit. So it cleanses his bad juju. Yeah, bad juju, my jacked up liver. And I, um, I haven't still been completely dry. So we're like, what, five, six months now into the year. Um, but overall, considerably down. And I, I'm just, I just, I'm not really drinking a lot of shit at home these days. Last night I was working on some stuff on a computer and gonna make myself some tea. I've been getting ready to move. Um, so all of my booze is boxed up. Uh, except oh, for you're the, getting ready to move. Is your house actually fucking it's, the end is near? Yes, the end is near, man. I had wow. a meeting this morning. I know it's going to be crazy. I'm really excited just to open up my rum boxes again. But um, <laughs> I, last night I was actually able to dip into some of the stuff that we got uh, allocated to us here in Indiana um, at Black Market. And so I drank uh, the Four Square Dominus last night. Right on. Um, and then there was also the the 05 and Premise just showed up at the same time. So uh, I haven't gotten deep into those yet um, because according to the distillery, um, he said there's plenty more that just hasn't made its way up yet. So well, that figured, sounds like a really bad night. Eh? Yeah, it was terrible. So Thanks I, I hit the Dominus first. But uh, well, it wasn't like I sucked down half the bottle. Um, but no, yeah, I mean it was a it was a good time. Is Dominus out of Barbados? All, is everything that's so? Four? All those are from Foursquare. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Which actually, you have a, a pretty close relationship with uh, the folks from Foursquare, don't you, Nick? Um, no, not I, so much. I, I like to call Gail and Richard good friends. Uh, They're so fun. They reciprocate that feeling. <laughs> Gail is a blast. Oh yeah, she's she's the life of the party and. Yeah, we were, I bought her uh, a couple of uh, like desserts when we were at Fat Rice in Chicago right before the Rum Fest. And I was like, ah, Gail will appreciate this, and mm-hmm. and hopefully she's got a little bit of the uh, yeah, the, she'll, the she'll Veritas warm, in her bag. Her right. she'll, she'll <laughs> this yeah. for that little quid pro quo for this dessert. Well, she's always got a bottle of something cool in her bag. Oh, she's she packs the fun. Yeah, and like. All I used around. to keep that stuff around until I just started drinking them all by myself. <laughs> right, you know, yeah. it's like. Not sharing the wealth. Maybe I'll leave this at a time-release safe that I have in my apartment. Like, as we should have with the domain Weinbach asshole. Oh, whatever. I'm still bitter about that. Oh, your loss. <laughs> yeah, I know it was my loss. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a pretty evident in the statement. Your loss it was, yeah, of course. Of course it was. So, man, let's get into some, like, rum fire, because I, I worked really hard to get this product into Indiana because I love it so much. Um... In fact, it was just a, we, the first time I tried it was at Miami, uh, Rum Renaissance. God, that was, what, three, four years ago. Um, Christelle Harris with the family was doing the kind of industry tasting. We tried it uh, and thought, this is amazing. Um, and then fast forward a couple years, and I ended up on a trip with uh, Campari down to Appleton. 
And they fucked up and told us to stay a day longer than we needed to stay. And they were like, well, just enjoy the resort and go on the beach. And I'm like, man, my skin's like almost transparent. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roast in five minutes in the Jamaican sun. This is not like a, that does not sound attractive to me. So blend right in. So when I found that out, I sent a message over to uh, Christelle and she happened to be in Paris at the time. And I was like, hey, can we, can we get a ride over to Hamden Estate? Because it's close. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I'll have my uncle come pick you guys up. And so me and uh, I think probably about six Indianapolis bartenders headed over there wow. and, and just spent fantastic. the whole day there. Like we, it was a, we were the only people on premises other than like, I see Peppy was there with us and uh, Paul so, and Mark Middleton. So Mark and Paul picked us up and then we just kind of sat and ate and drank. Uh, and it was a blast. Very generous for an impromptu. Very cool. Tasting. Yeah. Like, I think. A lot of people in the industry and out of the industry think that since we represent brands or sell brands or fans of brands or whatever, that you just, oh, you want to go to this tour? Sure, I'll pick someone up, and they'll roll out the carpet for you and organize it. And, no, wine tastings, wine tours, brewery tours, distillery tours, I mean, all that shit can be a hassle to, to set up and plan. And especially if you're like a smaller property that is part of a, of a larger family where you've got corporate red tape to get through. I mean, it can be a real pain in the ass to get a little bit of love from um, from a property. So with and, that and they're family time, owned still, yes. Yeah. So the Hussey Harris family and the distillery actually has a long history of of really giving. Um, so that kind of hospitality is is what they're about. Still Jamaican owned, still Jamaican operated. Um, that family. You know, controls what's going on at the distillery. Um, so, and, you know, I think it's a big statement of value when you talk about the value of a rum and you look at how it's made. One of the other things is who owns it. Um, and when, when you support local or, you know, in your own city, when you're supporting a locally owned rum, like Rum Fire from Hamden Estate, same concept. Yeah, that was really impressive. I mean, they definitely weren't set up for, like, guests at the time. It was more like going to a winery in Europe where it's not like California where there's a tasting room all set up. Like, we got there, and there was a sweet girl that uh, kind of, like, they threw her into us, like, hey, give these guys the tour. And um, they, uh, they she, she came out, and we kind of all stood in a the line. There's, like, six or seven of us, and... She was trying to remember her lines. Like you could tell, they were they were just getting started. To like, let's let's have some people come through, and it was it was fun. But we had the harder questions, of course, because we had a little bit more experience. But it was great. They really kind of gave us unfettered access, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was just talking with Christelle um, just a few days ago, and and we were talking about tourists. And actually, there was someone who wanted to get a tour, and I was like, they're industry, and she's like. Who isn't industry that visits? There aren't <laughs> tourists that come here. <laughs> and it was it was kind of a, a funny joke, but uh, yeah, back in the days of Mark uh, Middleton, you know they they made huge strides in their tour and kind of consumer friendly um, environment. Now it's really it's really came a long way since I've first seen it. Is Mark no longer there? Mark, yeah, Mark is no longer there in any capacity. So, I mean, I knew that there had been some changes, but yeah, I mean, he was the the head distiller um, and kind of the the manager of of the distillery, and now um, Vivian Wisdom is um, and was there during the time of Mark. Okay. And so it's kind of a lot of that um, knowledge and you know intrinsic. Yeah, it's pretty wild so, that they, they don't see more tourists coming through because it's. What about a twenty-five minute drive from Montego Bay? 
Yeah, I guess it just depends on road road <laughs> conditions. <laughs> right, but, how uh, many you holes? Know, I mean, <laughs> it's bad. You got, right, you got... You never know when you're going to have to go in reverse when a big truck comes down a one-way. Yeah, man, maybe I'd, I'll put that on the list. I need to to go down there. I need, I need to go somewhere, man. I'm getting itchy. I've been... I was just in Atlanta last week, but I haven't been, like, I don't want to go, like, somewhere. He's been really out of town since the avocado right. box. Jamaica would be cool, <laughs> although I came to a realization last week, I'm going to fucking go to Transylvania, man. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Is it due to, like, staying away from well-produced booze, or...? <laughs> 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 You're like, I'm staying dry. I'm going to Transylvania. I mean, seriously, come on. Is there, if there's a listener out there that can name a Transylvanian-produced booze, then that I will stand corrected. They, they make wine in Transylvania. No, We're talking about true. Romanian that is Carpathian true. mountains outside Absolutely. of a rich historical, like, environment and a beautiful topography. That's also close to Hungary and other countries no. where I could go and check out, like, Tokaya Zoo production, chill in Budapest. But I don't know anyone who's been to Transylvania. I know a lot of people that don't even know it's a real fucking place. They have the highest amount of bears and wolves in the Carpathian forest. Oh, is, it, is this the beginning of your uh, reality show where you fight? Uh, I'm not wild. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it, the, whenever I start that show where I... We got a lot of shit over that. <laughs> Did we? we got people fucking be like, can Arthur just stop talking about fighting wild animals? <laughs> oh, get, <laughs> fucking get over it. It's a joke. Uh, I'm going to have to really uh, dig deeper into these podcasts. I've had an ongoing joke. I was going to do a reality TV show where I go to one uh, region. Again. And I would talk in the vineyards, and I would talk about the wines, and I would get drunk, and then I would, like, beat up <laughs> local wildlife. And it's a fucking joke. I'm a pacifist. I love animals. P- animals are way better than people. So relax, everybody. You know, whatever. Any case, um, I just think it'd be fucking awesome to go to Transylvania uh, myself for no other reason than to just be able to say I'd been to Transylvania and go hang out with some gypsies, which I'm sure probably makes some weird kooky-ass shit. If you think they make weird things in, like, the highlands of Mexico and macerating snakes with Satal, something tells me that there's, like, a vampire tequila or something with my name on it. I think Jamaica speaks to you, man. I think you'd really dig it down there. I really liked it a lot, and and for me, going to Hamden Estate was, like, you really get a sense of history there because that is an old fucking distillery, man, and it has not... I get the feeling it hasn't changed much. is it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, it, the distillery's been running since, you know, I mean, conceivably the 1730s to 1740s, because in the 1750s there was, you know, history of uh, rum stores, you know, so several hundred years. I mean, a lot of the family that has owned the operator of this distillery is actually like in crypts there on the premises, which I thought was very cool. You literally are walking through history if you go over to the cemetery. Now, mind you, of course, for our listeners out there, you not a good idea to bury the deceased in the Caribbean. Yeah, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not yeah. confusing the muck pits with the grave sites. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right, right. All right, don't confuse the muck or dunder pits. You'd be which... actually drinking DOK if you were drinking <laughs> DOK. Nice. Um, so, um... He skipped right to the end. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was I like, did. D-OK? Well, I was like, oh, that's on my notes way at the end here, man. We, we, can, we can run back, but that was just kind of a... All right, more to come on that. So, But, I mean, this... So, Arthur described it well. I mean, when the bottle opens, it, it's a lot of volatile compounds. We talk about high ester rums, and, like, numerous times on the show, I have expressed my uh, absolute... Uh, 
love for Jamaican rums because they kind of like, they're funky and anybody that hasn't had a Jamaican rum other than like Appleton and if you don't know what I mean when I say funky just go grab yourself a bottle of like Ray and Nephew or Worthy Park or Rum Bar or or Hamden Estate or Rumfire or like any number of expressions out there and you'll know exactly how descriptive funky is like there's you could go deeper but you it's don't forget funky. the smell. I mean, once you like cross that threshold of, of not dis- detection but recognition, it's not going to leave you. Like, your your daiquiris are about three feet away from you right now, and you know there's a build there. So we're talking about rum fire itself being a smaller portion with other shit, and I, I can smell them from here. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you'll taste it all night. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's huge. I, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I mean, I think one of the great things you know when we talk about esters, when we talk about those congeners is it can be used as it has been used for long periods of time in Europe as a modifier to add flavor. It is the quintessential flavor of Jamaica. So it can be used also as a base. Um, and in the case of this daiquiri, it's perfectly balanced. It's enjoyable, it's aromatic, it's got proof. I mean, you're tasting the base. It's Yeah, I think rums of this style can, can really, really add a lot, bring a lot to a drink, and a little bit does also go away, not to mention the fact that it's like, what, 60 Man, 63, alcohol or 63%. something? 63%. 63, <clears throat> wow. Jamaican proof. And it just does not drink that hot. So when we talk about esters and those congeners, I know that's where we kind of start to lose some of our listenership a little bit, the, the kind of non-industry people. And this is a lot of what we do at, at Black Market and then soon to be our, our tiki bar is like just kind of educating people on what it is they're tasting so they can identify that when they go out to a, to a liquor store to buy. I mean, how do you describe that to people? Because obviously you work a lot with consumers and, you know, bartenders and, and bar owners. So when yeah, you no, say hi, Esther, I mean, what, what, what are we talking about here? It's a great question. And I think I would start out with things that are really familiar. I mean, when we talk about fruits, um, <clears throat> when we talk about fruits becoming ripe, becoming overly ripe, what we're talking about is, is bacteria and yeast, um, creating acids and alcohol, and those acids and alcohols are combining to form esters. And those esters, when you're smelling that, you know, that banana, that really overripe banana, when you're smelling those fruits, you know, that have been sitting a little bit too long, you start getting, you know, those aromas. So those are things um, that I try to communicate and teach people um, what esters are, because it's, it's kind of... Um, a word that people shy away from, a word that people don't understand, and then you're like talking about a high ester rum, and they're like, I mean, is this going to kill me? Right, but yeah, it's yeah. not. It's, it's very traditionally made. It's very natural, sustainable process. Um, and I also like to talk about it as a perfume because distillate or alcohol that has really high ester concentrations have been used in making perfume. So one of the great things about rum fire is that you can, you know, crack open a bottle. You don't need to really drink it right away. Just put a little bit on your wrist. <laughs> put a little bit on uh, the back of Arthur's neck. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of those... Boy, that, any women that, out there that want to do that, they're just... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll never, be like that, uh, like, never cartoon, know. you know, Looney Tunes <clears throat> wolf, like... Yeah. <laughs> go get my bat ready. <laughs> All right. Exactly. It's Fold like... line um, to the left. <laughs> Pepe Le Pew's favorite little uh, spritzer. So, so for me, it's a really big nostalgia thing, right? So, uh, because... So, I, we do the same thing, right? When we're explaining, like, those funky notes that you get out of a high ester Jamaican rum, like, oh, it's overripe banana and overripe grilled pineapple and overripe papaya. But realistically, what we're talking about is rotting, like, the stuff that has gone beyond. But, of course, when we're selling to a customer or trying to explain that, 
rotting is probably not the best word to choose, but for me, when I say it's a nostalgia thing, um, I grew up in the Midwest here. Obviously, we're still in the Midwest, and we had a lot of fruit trees uh, growing up. My dad, you know, I was free labor, so I got to, you know, push mow our yard, and he never picked any of the fruit, right? So we had an apple tree, and it would just fall, and all those apples would just rot on the ground, and they were just covered in bees, and it was a mess, and it was just, you'd go over the mower, and just turn it into applesauce, and it was just a terrible experience. I hated it because I got stung a lot. But that aroma that I get out of the rum is that kind of like rotting crab apple that we got back then. I mean, of, mm-hmm. of course, like it's kind of shifted a little bit more towards the bananas and the more tropical fruits, but that to me, it kind of brings me back to like that. It wasn't a terrible experience. I, it sound, it probably was then. I'm now 42, so it doesn't bother me as much now thinking back on it, but. Like, it makes me think about, like, you know, that childhood. And so I, I do often use that, you know, with people that grew up in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, did you have any fruit trees in your yard? Remember when you didn't pick it and they kind of rotted on the ground? That's what you're going to get out of this. Like, it's really strong, intense aroma. Ah, organoleptic properties and their ability to uh, enable us to transcend to different times in our life. A um, couple of the thoughts. Um, Nick had mentioned esters. You had mentioned esters. And to me, like, Esther's going to be the next buzzword, like, reduction in the sommelier community and the bar community. Like, people say it, kind of like the way they say high alcohols, fusel alcohols. No one really knows what the hell they are. Um, <laughs> well, we did talk about fusel oils in our last episode, I believe. We did? We did. It was, or two episodes. I don't know. I don't remember. They all blend, so, they all blend together now. To, to Ed's point, rotting is probably not a great way to describe and share with your <laughs> oh, customers. Right. But they describe those aromas that, and how I perceive them rather well and that you're, you're dealing with browning fruit oxidizing fruit. Esters are our primary means of smelling everything, different uh, things we perceive organoleptically, and they have different um, molecular structures and weights and different gravities, and they hover in different areas, even when you're, you're nosing a glass or wine or spirits. If you move your nose around, you'll pick up on different aromatics that, when in abundance, will cross your recognition threshold because they've already crossed your detection threshold. You know, This so- is how he explains it to a table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, uh, nice, this nice. is why he no longer works uh, in restaurants. Right. <laughs> Would you guys get that fucking beaker away from my table? Well, um, everyone needs, uh, you know, a different a different line. So uh, I would never use this to. Of course, talk I'm to fucking with you, man. But for those out there curious about what the fucking ester is, Nick said it right. Um, oxidizing fruit, things volatilize when they oxidize, so oxygen is is not only. Uh, a creator of some of these aromatic compounds, as is distillation, as is fermentation, but it can also expedite aroma. But I perceive it as browning fruit, browning apple, browning pineapple, browning um, banana, and then you get these these pungent aromatics that go from olive tapenade to truffle, and it, there's just so much reach in these these products, and in this particular brand, Rumfire alone, which. By the way, when you said Rumfire earlier, I thought you said Bumfire. And, uh, um, oh, here we go. He just handed us, uh, Nick was nice enough to bring us some shirts that have, uh, yeah, no, Rumfire. Rumfire. On. I'm sporting it right now. I've been wanting one of these shirts since I saw Pepe wearing one. I was like, man, how come you don't have any of those? Yeah, no, these are cool. I like it, man. They're, they're nice and elastic, showing off the guns on the back. It's got a hashtag for fire it up. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, you might have another hashtag in there, like Bumfire. You can find a way to make that palatable, because that right now just sounds like a aggravated monkey ass or something. So I was just thinking, and it has nothing to do with bum fires. 
All right, um, back on track. Well, no, no, no. Well, the first time I had rum fire um, was in Seattle, uh, coincidentally. This was before you uh, were the importer for this product. Um, I was at Rumba, no surprise there. I think Ryan Loeb was the bartender at that time, that, and he was like, hey, have you ever tried rum fire? And I said, no, I haven't. Um, and he's like, you got to check this out, because he had looked at some of the rums I had been ordering, and and he poured me like a shot, and I was like, well, do I shoot it? Or I'm like, well, what is this? You know, I, I wasn't sure, and I was like, ooh, this is funky, you know? Um, and I looked at the label, I'm like, God, that is, that is a really terrible label. And... Um, but after going to Jamaica, I realized that it's not a terrible label. It's just not marketed towards Americans, you know. Um, so I, I, do you find that people kind of gloss over this product here in the United States because it doesn't kind of speak to the fancy, here's our, our small batch that's not really a small batch, but you know, or whatnot, you know, like this artfully crafted artisanal label, you know, it's got a little bit of glitter. It's got, it's got dance hall written all over it, you know. Yeah, it's it's ripe with, you know, energy and some people get afraid, some people get anxious, some people want it like and I mean it draws a lot of reactions from consumers to industry. And you know, I I tell a story about it um that I think's really relevant and that it's it's really the story of of Trelawney Rum. So, you know, people are very poor in the Caribbean. People are stealing from the distillery and you know, they're not getting you know, what's in the bottle today, but they're getting the heads, they're getting the tails, they're getting the funkiest, nastiest shit that they could get to go make some extra money at the local bar, local bottle shop. So when it gets presented to the person and they're gonna sell it, you know, the bartender, the bar, the bar person's like, well, I don't wanna kill my neighbor, so um, how, how are we gonna like make sure this is like legit to drink? And uh, you know, you pour a little bit out on the counter and you light it. I mean, in the Caribbean, overproof is king. People aren't drinking aged products, so it's flammable, 63%. We're also gonna make sure that it's <clears throat> you know, burning with a red and blue flame that's characteristic for how ethanol burns. So the label, um, while it's kind of goofy, Miami's Vice, um, you know, 1980s, 90s video games, and, and people can harp at it. You know, it's really about, it's really about the story of Trelawney rum. And, you know, if it wasn't going to light, if it didn't have a, a red and, and blue characteristic color, you know, they said, it's, <clears throat> as John Crow Bati, you know, you want to get that out. You know, John Crow, meaning the blackbird, Bati, the shit out the blackbird's ass. So it's, it's <laughs> no, man, John they have, Bati. They've got the, uh, the bird inside the, well, they, the tasting room has like six seats, so it's not like a, going into a California no, Napa like Valley. I'm just thinking, like, how many no, animal awesome. asses can we reference in this episode? That's <laughs> a a lot. We, can, we, we get a lot. Bird ass. Well, well bum fire. There's where, there's bum where the bum, bum fire comes in, right yeah, there. There you go. <laughs> we, have, we tied it in. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, um, other brands, I won't mention names, but they had capitalized on this idea, this what had been happening. People come in, they want Trelawney rum. And so people came out with brands that say Trelawney JB. But the original story coming back is out of Hamden Estate. So when you want that, that's why you see it on the bottom of the label, original Trelawney rum. You're talking about the stuff that was being sold illegally, stolen from Hamden Estate. They corrected that in 2009 when they came out with the product that everyone was getting from behind the bar that's now in the bottle. 
So uh, at the distillery, because I have been, and so you're, they've got a really beautiful aquifer that kind of feeds uh, with water. I mean, I think people don't realize that Jamaica is a giant, like, piece of limestone. Um, and so you really have some, like, beautiful water coming that's been filtered through limestone, which in Indiana, it, that relates a lot to uh, what we're familiar with because we are sitting on a giant bedrock of limestone here as well. Right outside the estate, um, Hamden Estate, kind of going into cockpit country, it's called cockpit country because when the British surveyed it, um, it looked kind of like a place where they would have cockfights. Um, it kind of looks like an eggshell carton. It's got deep crevasses and kind of hills that are rolling. And they were very thoughtful and created a very large reservoir in this area. Uh, and when you go there today, you can see birds, wildlife, you know, it's kind I'm of just a natural at Arthur's notes and he's writing down cockfights. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn, what's he going to talk about, man? Oh, my goodness. No, don't mind me. <laughs> so today, uh, it's still going. You can visit it. It's a, it's a beautiful area. It's a huge amount of water collected from rain and, and the mountain runoff. And it's all gravity fed. That's the water, you know, after it gets filtered, um, that reduces the spirit down to bottling proof. Um, so like sweet water. No, it's I. He mentioned. So what about cockfights? Past rolling hills and shit. I didn't realize that certain topography was more conducive to fighting with your cock than others. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Oh, that was it. <laughs> that's literally. No, I got some. There more, was there was more, but it was going to get gonna cut break out. Off, but yeah, I'm coming yeah. back onto it now. So, like, I I don't support cockfighting, uh, even though I joke about beating up animals. One, I would never fight a rooster. I mean, give me a fucking break. You just got to kick it. Um, and then two, did anyone see the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin? Who hasn't seen I The know, Jerk? Well, there are people out there, well, dude. It's because we're getting older there, and uh, we're now gotten to a point where some of the youngins haven't I seen know, it. I know, it's still tragic. But when he is owning the, the mansion and everyone is trying to come out of the woodwork <laughs> to get money from him, the dude yeah, comes yeah. in the projector and he's like, south this of the border. This is happening in my country. Right. <laughs> so instead of like the horrors of cockfighting, it was kitten juggling. That was happening in, in, in Mexico. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that guy's fantastic. It's a great movie, movie. man. All so right. we would be remiss if we don't at least ask, because as we approached this this event tonight, everybody asked if we were going to sit down and do an episode with you. And I'm like, of course. You know, I've known Nick for a few years, and we're going to do this thing. Um, Here I people am. People keep asking about the mug pits, you know. So we t there's, you know, a lot of questions about Dunder versus mug pits. And, uh, well, a or are they the same thing is the question that always happens, right? Like is dunder pits, muck pits. And so you, you would care to clarify for our, some of All our right. listeners because, and listen closely here, folks, because and, this gets confused a lot. Uh, and start off with what is dunder too, please, because a lot of people aren't saying okay. that. So yeah, just a, a quick bit. And this is really important for the process, um, but it, it definitely can be confusing as the terms are getting thrown around a lot. So dunder is basically just the leftover organic material after the batch pot still distillation. So like in, in uh, some whiskey making, it's basically the sour mash. Some people call it wastewater, but it doesn't have to be wastewater. In fact, with Hamden Estate, they reutilize 90% of it back into the fermentation wash. Now that's dunder. So dunder is basically uh, a lot of a lot of minerals that were not distilled out, a lot of <clears throat> other congeners that, that didn't get into the distillate in that distillation. 
it also is very acidic, and that's probably one of the biggest one of the biggest purposes for utilizing it. So when they put that back into the fermentation wash, it increases the acidity, it increases the congeners, and so it enhances not only flavor right away, but it also allows for an environment that produces more esters, that acidic environment. Now we switch over, so that's distillation. Okay, so when we talk about muck pits or muck, we're really just talking about kind of uh, this you know, purposeful, sustainable cesspool of, <laughs> of dunder, acids, and yeast that basically sit and, and kind of naturally compose or decompose. Um, and they're rotated about five to eight years, depending on, you know, what, what kind of bacterial or yeast that are being formed. They do that for the principal reason that they can get a lot of different Acids. So when we talk about acids, um, there's a variety, in, and you can get small-chain fatty acids, very long-chain fatty acids. When I talk about a chain, I'm talking about how big the molecule is. So you get small molecules, big molecules, and the reason why you want to spend that much time, I mean, think about it, five to eight years, like you're, you're rotating these like kind of gravesite <clears throat> areas, and then you're reintegrating, you know, that that whatever comes out of that back into the fermentation wash. So you get a whole bunch of different acids with molasses and water and dunder. So you have an acidic environment that is now producing alcohol from the yeast as they eat the molasses. And now you have a whole bunch of different esters that form. Now with Hamden Estate and Rumfire specifically, we're talking about a very long fermentation process. We're giving it, you know, a lot of time for the maximal ester formation to happen. When 99% of rums are only fermented for about two to three days and use very different processes, you don't have that opportunity to start developing a lot of esters. And in the case of Hamden Estate, where they're very um, keen and have done a lot of different ester marks over a long period of time, hundreds of years. Dunder, muck pits, and the integration of that with the wash is where you get all of your flavor load that goes into the pot still. So the dunder, uh, the utilization of dunder and then the long fermentations uh, enable you to cultivate an environment that's conducive to not only yeast propagation, but the formation of these more crazy complex characteristics. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, not cleaned. The fermentation area includes, you know, quite a few um, fermentation containers. They're all made from local Jamaican cedar. Not that that really plays a big part in the flavor, but over time, um, they actually used to make some of the Jamaican uh, cedar fermentation tanks by putting a banana leaf in between the cedar staves and putting them out in the sun and heating it up and the natural resin and sugars created a bond for all of the different fermentation and you, there's, they even have some of the fermentation tanks that are over 120 years old. So we're just about to start a, a function, an event, which is why you, you came into town and how we were able to interview. And some of the local talent here showing up in town. 
they're at least 25 feet away, but I hear the shaker happening behind me, and I can smell, smell it. Yeah. rum fire just permeate throughout this room. And they're, they're literally 25 feet away, and they've just poured a few cocktails. That's awesome, man. It's a really... So having been down to Hampton Estate, I always tell everybody, uh, like, definitely go. And I, if you get nothing else out of this, like, check them out because, like, they deserve the love out there. Uh, and they're not far from Montego Bay where so many people land. That is a horrifying landing, by the way, because you're like, why are we landing in the ocean? And then all of a sudden you see the runway. But, uh, no, it's walking through that distillery. Well, first off, I don't feel like any of the wooden planks have been changed over the last 300 years. Yeah, in yeah. fact, you know, is this going to break? <laughs> the big port um, just on the north coast, the the Falmouth Port, that was actually built from um, from Hamden Estate. Oh, really? So it, Hamden Estate has a long history of giving in Jamaica, and aside from some other kind of uh, civil and municipal buildings, um, they built the largest port, which which is now used by all the big cruise ships. That's amazing. Yeah, I, no, I had no I, idea. I totally agree. And in an environment where um, Hamden Estate um, isn't very well known because they didn't have a brand for a long time in Jamaica, and there's a lot of other big players that kind of control the market in, in a pay-to-play poor environment, it's, it's awesome that um, when people can get to Hamden and really see how rum was being made, you know, in the 18th century. It's cool because as you're walking through, all these esters we're talking about, and the rum fire is pretty funky, um, but it, it comes in around, what, about 500 esters and the parts per million, something around that? Yeah, five, right, I mean, Ish. They, they report it's about five to 550. Okay. I mean, it's, it's but uh, like walking through there, right? Like we are, as you're walking through the distillery, obviously there's no regulation on how high they can go during, so, you know, all the distillation. It is insane. Like, your brain short circuits because you're like, it smells amazing, and holy crap, I think I'm going to vomit. This is too much. And then you're like, ah, this is the best thing I've ever smelled. And you're like, this is terrible. And is, like, there, is there a baseline we could use for listeners? I mean, if we're rocking out at 500 parts here, like, you know, what would a, an average over-the-counter Puerto Rican or rum be, like, 75 or something? I, I've, never like seen, I've never seen esters <laughs> in, uh, yeah. in almost any column. Very, I mean, there are some, there are some congeners and esters. Um, you know, uh, I have a lot of love for rums from Martinique that mm, use a yeah. traditional Creole stall, you know, column. And, and, you know, you get a lot of congeners and, and some esters associated in different distillation processes. But I don't, I'm not sure what the, and I don't want, I don't think numbers are, Really right. critical, but right. I, I think it's important to know that this, the long fermentation and a, and a pot still distillation in in Hamden Estate is producing a very high, you know, notably the highest ester rum imported into the U.S. Uh, at this time, and we're we're talking magnitudes of of. You know. It's intense. I mean, you can only smell so many things at the same time, and that's what I was getting at. Is like while you're working for that distillery, it's just it's info overload. It's, it's just like, an info dump on your brain. Your nose is is even uh, somebody that's got uh, uh, they're developed through their whole career. Somebody like Arthur, they can pick up thousands of more aromas than I can and identify them. It gets to be so much, it's hard to differentiate. Um, there is a limit which you can export that from Jamaica, but and Hamden Estate actually does export the top end of that, which is where I was going with that, which is the DOK, which you referred to earlier, 
There's a lot of fervor online uh, earlier in the week about the DOK release and, and Germany and what that was used for, but it's it's like was not used for human consumption really, um, and we got to try a little bit of while we were down there. And it's it's a it, it's a weird thing. Is I wouldn't call it you know something I would yeah, want to drink. Yeah, the DOK is um, and you know a lot of really high ester products I think historically have really been meant for for blending for adding you know, flavor to other or finished products. And I think that kind of says a lot to Rumfire today where it can be, I mean, it, it, it's outside of the envelope of a typical rum where it can be used as a modifier and it doesn't matter what the base spirit is. Right. It has the capacity to work in a lot of different ways, not only as just a rum in a daiquiri or, or a mojito or a punch, where it can, it can modify a mezcal, it can go with a peaty scotch, it can, it can work in a brown bitter and stirred with an Amaro. It has huge, I mean, you put it in a vinaigrette. I mean, there's a lot of other purposes. When we talk about um, some of that really high ester spirit, we're talking about things that can add a lot of flavor. So, yeah, I mean, there was talk about what DOK is meant for, I think, there's a classes, you know, a classical idea of how things should be used, and then there's a contemporary idea, and I, I don't think that either are wrong, but I think that you know, if you get the chance, you know, try try it. Um, I mean, it's it's big; it, it kind of evaporates in the mouth. It's it's not something where I think you'd kind of really go back to and keep drinking, but you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time time drinking DOK. <laughs> right there, you go. Well, we're getting ready to get this event started here. Um, and I know that I'm probably going to have a few cocktails tonight. <laughs> I, I, I totally abstained from drinking too much of the aforementioned Foursquare last night because I knew tonight I was going to be packing in. Uh, but I know Big how the blows. Jamaicans would answer because actually I got this question or I talked about this quite a lot with, uh, like you said, the previous distiller, Mark Middleton, while we were down at Hampton Estate. Do um, you have any hangover cures you can uh, share for us? Hangover cures, I think really going straight for the bottle is probably the yeah, easiest yeah, way yeah. to solve that. <laughs> and that's tried and true. I, Any particular bottle other than, of course, you, you know, do you go for rum fire? Is that what you're going straight for? Uh, I, I don't necessarily. Like, you drink 126 proof rum, like when you wake up, you're like, you I know, feel terrible. I feel like. <laughs> right. I, I feel like. Well, to, we did talk about bananas and pineapples, so yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people have different ideas. I. Um, I don't know. I, I like to keep the GI track moving downward. So um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you know, keeping things going forward uh, when you wake up in the morning is a better way than trying to keep things slowing down. There you go. I, I, I love the way he took that too. Like, what's your hangover cure? Go straight to the bottle. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so he wouldn't hear the dog or anything. It's like just tip it back, man. Well, I'm going to throw this out there before we wrap up. When I was down there, uh, Mark Middleton, uh, I hung, ended up hanging out with Mark quite a lot when we were down there, and he said, if you have a chance to go to a Jamaican party, do it. I think there's this idea in the United States, particularly, like, it gets perpetuated by the resorts. Like, don't leave the resort. It's super dangerous. It's so terrible. And, like, you guys Bullshit. are fucking nuts. It is one of the most beautiful countries with some of the most beautiful people anywhere I've met, but Mark's That's like, where you want to be. And Mark said, just go, if you get invited to a party, go to a fucking party. He's like, you will not believe the way people drink down here. And he's like, they will drink rum fire straight all night long till 4.30 in the morning and they're going to work at 7. He said, but he's, <laughs> this is what Mark said. And Mark's from Swaziland, right? And he said, I love Mark. You, they tell you you don't get a hangover. 
from this shit? He goes, I didn't believe it until I went out and I drank this shit all night long. He said, I felt fine the next morning. Now, I don't know if I subscribe to that. I might drink a little heavier than Mark does, but... That sounds like a fucking fairy tale to me. <laughs> it does, but, well, man, they subscribe to it in Jamaica. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no mixers, so, you know. So where can people find out more uh, about uh, Rumfire in the United States? So there's social media, you got websites, what do we got here? Yeah, so... You know, I, obviously my pages are pretty pretty intense. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, on Facebook. Where I can people find that? Nicholas Ferris. Okay, so N I C H O L A S F E R I S. Got That's it. on Instagram. Uh, my Facebook page. You can always look for that. There's uh, the Rum Collective. That's on Facebook. Um, also, therumcollective.com. Um, you can go to Hamden Estates website. Um, Hamden Rum Company and find more information. Um, Rumfire also has their own Instagram. Cool. Oh, I, thought, I was like, we're all looking at each other. I thought Arthur had so, something. Someone had I thought something he was to trying to interject there. So, no, well, no, I'm just, I just, you know, thanks for coming. And I'm, yeah, I'm stoked about the event and your time here. And um, you guys have the information. If you haven't had this brand, you really need to, especially because it's. It's there's a lot of return on investment with this product when it comes to uh, to, to price point and what you're getting. Oh yeah, that's it. We didn't even talk about that. It's yeah, insanely yeah, affordable it, it's for what you're getting. Extremely modestly priced, considering, and extremely unique. And I, I love those two things when it comes to you know putting them in my mouth. Um, we are, are going to be recording in about a week or so. so we're going to be going live, weeks. man. We're going, going live in front of a whole going group. Going to fucking PopCon, man. And we are bringing back Chris Benedict, and I'm going to not I drink nearly as wait, much as last dude, time. I cannot wait. I'm and not, not going to fall out of my bar stool. I'm not going to insult uh, anybody. We're going <laughs> to like be blowing spitballs at yeah. Ewoks and shit. Like I, you know, I, I don't it's even know a, what's going to happen at PopCon. It's PopCon, not Gen Con. It's not... What the fuck's the deal? It's a bunch of people dressed up. What's well, the difference? We'll, 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 we'll get, talk about this after. Uh, let's go drink some rum fire, guys. Um, Nick, again, thank you so much. Thanks for visiting Indianapolis, and let's go uh, Let's go have some cocktails and talk about Hannah and the State. Yeah, man. Awesome. Support. That's all what right. it's all Cheers, about. Guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thanks, everybody.